0: All right, let's pray this morning. Pray. Lord God, we uh, thank you for this time that we get to spend uh, hearing from your word, uh, studying what your word has to say about uh, about our life, um, and, uh, and studying it to understand who you are and who we are, and uh, the gospel that you have called us to. Um, I pray, Lord, as uh, as I speak, that you would guide um, what I say and um, that you would impress these truths onto people's hearts um, and that they would flow out in people's lives uh, in way that, ways that display your glory and your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, today, uh, this Sunday, marks exactly eight months uh, since we've started uh, doing online uh, Sunday services <clears throat> the first one or well, the last the last uh, in-person service was the 22nd of March uh, and the first uh, online one was the 29th of uh, of March eight months ago and wow that blows my mind it really does I can honestly say that Uh, Until this year, I never really would have imagined uh, a situation like this. Eight months. Wow. 36 weeks. Works out it. But, of course, if all goes to plan, there's just one more Sunday before we're all uh, going to restart our our Sunday in-person services. After today, of course, obviously. So, one more Sunday. Um... And I think this is a great opportunity after after so long uh, being apart and um, as we start to come back together with Bible studies and prayer meetings opening up and then church services in a couple of weeks, I think this is a really great opportunity to think through what it actually means to come together as Christians. What does the Bible have to say about community? What does the gospel have to do with community? Uh, and And what does... What does the Bible say about how we can enrich our fellowship so that it displays the gospel and reflects further on the gospel? That's what uh, I want to talk about today. Um, And as we think, um, as we start to think about these topics, community and and fellowship, I think it's really important um, that we have a, a grounding of what the Bible actually means when it talks about these concepts, what does what does the, the biblical authors uh, think about when they say words like these? Because, of course, when we think about fellowship, we often think about, about fellowship times, coming together and the, the services that, that enable that. <coughs> um, but more often, the biblical authors actually uh, mean something a bit deeper than that. Rather than just physically being together, it's Um, about sharing the experience of salvation with each other, about sharing the knowledge of God. Um, 1 John 1 says, uh, we walk in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Um, And through the gospel, you know, we have fellowship with one another is what it says. And we indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ this deeper connection in the gospel Um, similarly community uh, goes beyond just being part of of the same town or or the same social group it's about being part of each other's lives Uh, the psalmist talks about uh, brothers dwelling together Um, John uh, repeatedly talks about abiding in God and he abides in us these are really rich and deep words that Talk about living together. It's a a life joining, a joining of lives together. Um, You think of Jesus living day by day for three years with his 12 disciples. Uh, Like the early church um, who visited each each other daily, Acts 2 tells us, um, on a daily basis sharing all that they had. Um, so this is what the Bible talks about with these ideas of community and, and fellowship. Um, and the Bible has actually quite a lot to say about these ideas. Uh, in fact, community is, is really rooted in the very nature of God. And, um, and because we're made in God's image, the, it relates to the very nature of what it means to be human. Community is is a a facet of the gospel itself. It's part of the goal of creation. If you look at the last scene of the Bible, it's this bustling community. Um, Community has a lot to do with, of course, what it means to be a church. It's a proven um, God-ordained method of evangelism as well. Community and fellowship are, 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 in fact, huge themes baked into the very story of the Bible. And all of that then means that these concepts have have a really real and deep bearing on on all of us personally. They uh, they are so important for us to think about <clears throat> um, because they have they impact us um, in a personal level. I mean, what I want to do today is is look at three implications that uh, that the Bible. Has the Bible's teaching has um, for for us or you individually, personally, um, what it means for your life? Now, the first one is this: God invites you into His life. God invites you into His life. Um, think with me for a moment. Let's uh, let's go a bit big picture. Uh, right back to before the universe started. Before the universe started, God is. God was for all eternity past. He has no beginning. He is unchanging. He simply was alone and perfectly self-sustaining. But having said that, to say that God was alone is is perhaps a little bit uh, misleading because the one God was in a way that is, is mysterious that we, don't, we can never fully understand uh, in a community of three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, the Spirit dwelled from eternity past in a marvelous, joyous, loving, complete community. Their community was was perfectly self-contained. It was lacking nothing. Of course, uh, people have struggled for millennia to, to try and understand the Trinity. It's, it goes beyond our, our comprehension that God could be one and yet three. And I can't claim to, to know the secrets of, of what this means, but I think something that is often lost um, in our, our analytical um, uh, way of trying to understand it um, is how personal that union is. Um, think of a couple on their honeymoon. They're two people, yet one flesh. But central to the idea of this this couple is the love that they have for one another, the joy that they feel in each other's presence. They they're on their honeymoon. They have no no need, no no desire to be part of the outside world. Their love for one another is enough. It, it's complete. They're totally bound up in the joy of being together. And in in a similar sense, the three persons of the Trinity have always been a complete and, and perfect community, experiencing the perfect. Complete joy of perfect, complete love. But in that love, they they decided they uh, they desired even that others should share in that joyous community. And so they made the universe. They made the creation. And at the pinnacle of that creation, they gave man a soul. They made us in his image, in their image, so that we could enter into that relationship. Um, hence the title of this point, God invites you into his life. But we rejected that invitation to and that was a really stupid decision on our part because as i said we were made in god's image we were made for his fellowship how could we think that we would be better off without him but in fact it's worse than than just this ill conceived rejection of god it's much much worse because rather than rejecting him and that and being done with it we repudiated the invitation of god we we rather than, than just rejecting his love, uh, we decided that we would replace him. How horrible what a, a tremendous insult to the this, this infinite, incomprehensible, unfathomable Godhead. What a horrible thing um, and naturally as a result of this tremendous insult God was angry with us. But Jesus, God the Son, left his right to divine fellowship aside and endured the, the the terrible deadly consequences of divine anger and and that's how we can still say that God invites you into his life at great personal cost at the cost of his own life God forgave our rejection of him and and made it possible for us to return to him, to return to that relationship. Uh, And so if you are not a Christian today, then consider this your personal invitation. God invites you into his life. He invites you to share life with him, to enjoy living with him. He, He invites you. Will you take hold of that? This is what you were made for, to live with and enjoy God. This is what it means to be human. I encourage you, accept this invitation, return to God. But speaking now to those who are Christian, it's it's not just a one-time thing. God is continually inviting you into deeper communion with himself. Of course, we are by no means God, uh, but yet we can still enjoy the joyous fellowship of the divine trinity. What an amazing thought that is. Now, of course, until we can can be with him and see him face to face, uh, our communion with God is limited. And yet... We are always in his presence. We are always in, in his very real presence, in, in very reality, and yet in ways that we, we aren't always aware of. We can't, in, in, in all circumstances, uh, experience or feel, I should say. God lives within us, always. And we live in his presence. And he invites you to to experience that in in your daily activities, in your interactions, in your thought life, in your quiet time, in your home, in your work, uh, in, in life, in play. God invites you to Remember and experience and appreciate the, the, the presence that he has, uh, the very real presence that he has with you. He invites you to spend life with him. Through, the, through remembering the gospel that he has brought us to himself at, at, at his personal cost, God invites you to spend life with him. So that's the first implication. The the first implication that the impact that the Bible's teaching has on you. God invites you into his life. Secondly, God invites you into church life. God invites you to spend life with other Christians. Countless people around the world are spending life with him. And the ideal is that we would be able to do that together. And again, that's why the goal of creation is this community of people gathered around God together, experiencing his presence together. Now, this goes beyond just what we do on Sunday morning. This is uh, more than midweek Bible studies. It's, uh, It's more than ministries or church picnics or whatever. Church life or or fellowship is experiencing the gospel together in whatever form that takes. Um, Experiencing life with God gathered together with other Christians. That's what church means. in, In fact, the gathering of Christians. In concrete terms, he invites you to experience his love together with the specific Christians who are part of this church, part of MAFRA Community Church. And he invites you to do that regularly. And if you're a Christian listening in from elsewhere, then uh, of course, substitute MAFRA for your local fellowship. But um, but we can do that um, in a formal way, uh, like we often think about on a Sunday morning or in a midweek Bible study or what have you. Uh, But... Also, informally, in day to day, as we interact with each other, in homes, in parks, in bumping into each other, walking the dog or at the supermarket, it happens at any time we, we, we enjoy together, we converse and, and encourage one another and, uh, and share the gospel with one another and pray with one another and sing songs over that's what it means to share life, to share the, the life and the fellowship that we have in Jesus. It's what church means. <clears throat> and, and of course there is something very special about all joining into one place. That's why we have uh, services, Sunday services well, obviously when we can. and that's why we're trying to get get it back happening again as soon as we can. Um, that we should have this big gathering uh, because it's so special to all be together. Um, but every time we meet, every time uh, whether big or small gatherings, every time we reflect on God's goodness together, we're doing church life together. I mean, if you think about it, there's there's no. Real essential difference between a puddle or a dam. It's just that the one is kind of small and got there by accident, and one is big and got there because humans did something about it. Whether we have big church-sponsored lake gatherings, or or small chance encounter puddle gatherings, or any of a myriad of of in-between sort of encounters. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Either way, we're embracing that invitation of God to do life together. And that's a real blessing. God is, is actually quite smart. Have you ever thought about that? God's smart. When he designs life to work a certain way, when he invites you to do something, he has... A really good reason for it. Uh, let me list some about this particular point. Uh, in no particular order. Um, John thirteen thirty-five says uh, it uh, shows off his love. By this all men will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Uh, two Timothy two twenty two. We can work together to help each other at growing in godliness. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, it says Together with those who call on the name of the Lord, uh, in, with a pure heart. Galatians six and four, uh, two, uh, uh, Galatians six and one Peter four, uh, tell us that we can use our gifts to serve one another and make life easier for one another. Galatians six verse ten says, "Bear one another's burdens." First Peter four verse ten that uh, as each one has a, has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Uh, Ephesians 4, we can help each other do the acts of ministry that God has called us to. Uh, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, and uh, elsewhere he says, um, walk in a manner worthy of your uh, see, we are so privileged to, to be to be blessed by God in this way. <clears throat> that He would invite us to share in His community, to share in His life, His Trinitarian life. Uh, and not only that, but to invite us to share in church community, to share in church life, to experience His life, the gospel uh, in the gathered presence of those have experienced the same. Uh, So those are the first two implications. The third one is this, God invites others into your life. Uh, Remember, the gospel uh, invitation of God is not just limited to you and I. God's invitation into his community and into the church community extends to all people everywhere. He invites others into his life. He invites others into church life. And frequently, he does it by inviting them into your life or the life of someone else who is already a part of his community. It's often said that uh, that you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. But if you're a Christian, then you have no more choice of your friends than you do with your family. Because from God's perspective, your friends are those whom he has invited into your life. And your family are those that God has brought into his family, just as he has you. Uh, perhaps if you're anything like me that sounds rather scary and perhaps even rude on God's part who's he going to invite into my life I mean I wouldn't even invite someone into someone else's house without permission in fact I wouldn't really invite anyone into my house without permission well as in without checking with Beck first because we both live here how can God invite others into my life How could he do that? Um, That's how uh, Ananias felt in Acts chapter 9, when God invited a a well-known mass murderer into his life. Ananias said, God, I I know who this guy is. is. This is not a good person for you to invite into my life. But God said, no, go, for I have chosen him. God has called us to love whatever random strangers He brings into our lives. That's what the gospel calls or what the Bible calls hospitality. Literally that means uh, love for strangers. Um, and that can be quite a scary thing. As I said, it's often uncomfortable to meet new people,
1: especially if they're not
0: much like us necessarily. But God is gracious and he works in us and uh, and he helps us to love them. We are indwelt with the spirit of God, that same God who loved us when we were strangers. That same God who invited us into his life invites others into ours. And again, God has great reasons for doing this. Uh, I mentioned Acts 9, God uh, when Ananias uh, sorry when God called Ananias to meet Saul. And what was it He said next. I have chosen him, I've prepared him to carry my name before the Gentiles, before the kings, before the children of Israel. and that is exactly what happened. The rest is history. We know that Saul became Paul and spread the gospel across Europe. What an amazing thing. Now, of course, our hospitality doesn't always lead to the conversion of prolific international missionaries. Um, In fact, if if it ever does, it's very, very rare. But even still, our, our hospitality, our extension of this community is often a means that God will use to prepare people to receive the gospel. There's something so natural about evangelism in the context of life-sharing, in the context of community. Community is to the gospel what what the warmth of the mother hen is to an egg. It's, It's what the soil is to the seed. It's what... Honey is to the bee. It's, it's this nurturing, wonderful environment for growth. <clears throat> uh, you might have heard Jared, uh, if you've been part of this church for a little while, you might have heard Jared talk about the power of Christian camps. Uh, I've heard him say on, on several occasions how great camps are as an evangelistic tool. Because people get to see and live among the gospel in action for for a a consistent several days. Um, And it's really true. God uh, uses people. uh, God uses living among people changed by the gospel to show how attractive Christianity is. But we don't necessarily need camps to achieve this. We can actually achieve the same thing in our day-to-day life even if it happens a little bit more intermittently. Your your friends, those whom God has invited into your life, they uh, get an opportunity each day they meet with you to see the gospel in action. They see the forgiveness of the gospel in in each family crisis that resolves in forgiveness and reconciliation. They see the acceptance of the gospel in, in the fact that you're never quite ready for guests. But you're always welcome. They see the Godward focus of the gospel in your regular devotion and worship. They see the transformation of the gospel in your persistent efforts in godliness. And most importantly, they see the grace of the gospel in the way that you can fail at all of these things catastrophically, and yet joyfully rest secure in the knowledge that God. Will welcome you on the merits of Jesus. As you display the gospel in your life, hopefully in time, uh, you'll get the opportunity to read the gospel with them. Community, of course, is a wonderful, fertile bed for the gospel, but it's not the gospel itself. But, uh, but as you read. Uh, the Bible with them, read a gospel, especially to introduce them to Jesus, and teach them uh, about what it means um, to to have to believe the gospel. Uh, train them uh, in in understanding how how believing in the gospel, how believing in Jesus and knowing Him, um, and submitting to Him as Lord, what it means for them. Uh, in their day-to-day life. That's what discipleship means. Uh, and again, Jesus modeled this discipleship by, by spending three whole years teaching his 12 apostles to believe. He did this by spending day-to-day life with them, sharing life together with them. And now he calls us to go and make disciples. Now, it's worth thinking through what this hospitality and discipleship might look like for you in your day-to-day life. Perhaps uh, you can start the conversation with a workmate during lunch break. Uh, Maybe you can invite your kids' friends' family around for a play date or out to the park. Maybe you can uh, invite your neighbor around for a cuppa or or dinner or just go out for a walk with them. Help a friend find their dog when it goes missing. Bring your neighbor a plate of Bickeys or a jar of jam. Uh, Come couple with your workmate or or give your kids' classmates a lift to school. Make disciples in your home, in your office lunchroom, in a local cafe, in the park. Make disciples wherever you can. Wherever is is comfortable and easy for you and for others around you. Don't put uh, too much pressure on yourself. uh, Meeting new people can be stressful enough as it is. You don't need to to have the stress of having a house immaculate. You can just take them out or or accept that... uh, that the gospel is, is the key. Uh, keep it simple. Make life easy on yourself and do it in God's strength. Because again, for all of our, our efforts, <clears throat> this doesn't come from within ourselves. It comes from God who invites us into his life. And for all the benefit it brings us, we don't do it for ourselves. It's all for God, Uh, so that by any means necessary, as Paul says, strangers might be invited into the family of God. Well, in closing, uh, let me sum up with this. At its best, a Christian community flows out of the gospel and serves the gospel. Our Trinitarian community living God uh, has graciously invited us to enter into the loving community that he lives in. At the cost of his own life, he has brought us into that relationship. Uh, What a wonderful blessing that he bestows on us, that we should enjoy that fellowship with him. He grants us that fellowship, as I said, so that we can Enjoy it with those around us, and extend it beyond uh, beyond the uh, the limits um, that that it <clears throat> not limits, I should say. Beyond uh, who it who it's already reached so far. Let's uh, let's pray. Let's thank him for that, and pray that he would help us uh, to live out that man. Uh, thanks God that uh, that you would uh, desire and delight to bring us into fellowship with you thank you for the perfect loving community uh, that you live in that you share within the Trinity that you would bring us into that community we are so privileged Lord to be able to experience that and to experience it you uh, know in, in a communal sense in a, together with those around us. Uh, Lord, I pray that Mafra Community Church would live up to that name, Lord, the community, uh, the gathered community of Christians in Mafra, sharing life in the fellowship of your spirit. And I pray that we would extend that community into uh, the lives of those who have never heard the gospel um, and show hospitality and and disciple them so that they might uh, receive and know you. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would effectually invite them uh, into your life through our lives, because ultimately, Lord, that is how all of this comes about. And so, Lord, I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus.